Top of the morning to your patrons. Get ready for a freak out Friday. I'm not freaking out. And get ready for Lucas in the morning. Today we're gonna raise the freak out flag with these guys. I am freaking out. Bill Scott, the sports director of the Wisconsin Radio Network at 6:30. Hey Scott. Like our buddy Bags. Andy Baggett from UWBadgers.com at 7:15. Bags. Tom Hard record. He's with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and JS Online at 7:30. And now it's time to shout out with your freak out. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but hey, here's Rob Vogel and Mike Lucas. So if you happen to be around the water cooler today or if you're just out in public and you see some people hunched over and walking gingerly, dragging maybe their right or their left leg, you can be pretty well assured that it's a Brewers fan after getting kicked in the balls again. Again, <laughs> again. We didn't even put that one up for a vote. That's how you. Felt. I mean, there is no doubt about it. Two nights in a row, a shot to the groin. I mean, can you say otherwise? Can you argue something different? Uh, I don't think we can put that up as a poll question, giving options now because we've oh already decided. What it is. I mean, seriously, there are limits. There are limits to getting kicked in the groin. Maybe this is the poll question. Who caused the most kicking to your groin? Who is the bane of your Can existence you maybe from last night? Phrase that a little bit yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> who Wait, caused you like the, that one? Was it eloquent? Try enough? to get a sentence out. Okay. Uh, who do you blame? Who do you blame that's for last the, night? That's always the question. Any sports talker in the world <laughs> or the right. universe, who should we blame today? Who are we? Are we gonna blame? That guy over there for screwing up all the commercials? That huh? is not yeah. true. Yes, that is not you my take fault. It, take it. Accept that. Nope. That Who is, is that not guy? On me. Go ahead. Hit oh, your button. Oh, yeah. That's that's me. Dr. J. Oh, there it my is. goodness. Now oh, you've got so gold. Cool. Yeah, you've I know. you got gold. It's so that. incredible. So cool. I mean, you, you start with the ninth inning, don't you? I mean, they try to break that down. You just analyze the ninth inning and, and either the top of the ninth or the bottom of the ninth, and then we go from there. Well, here's how, here's how it essentially ended. Let's go with the Chris Bryant dinger. That hurt, too. That really hurt. Oh, yep. you got him scrambling yep. over there. There we go. Bryant hits a fly ball to deep center field. Back goes Broxton. Back to the wall. It's got a chance. Gone! Chris Bryant, a two-run homer. Look at that Cubs third base dugout. Jumping up and down just like they did after Game 7 of the World Series last oh. autumn. Oh. Cubs lead 5-3. All right, Pat. So we're supposed oh, no. to ex- assume now that you just won the World Series again. Ouch. All right. Well, maybe that's a, the all-time compliment to the Milwaukee Brewers because the Chicago Cubs on September 21st beat the Brewers in Milwaukee in extra innings, and they're jumping up and down like they just won the World Series. Can it get any more flattering than that to the Brewers? I guess. Welcome to the rivalry. Welcome to an important oh game. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yes, by the way, though, I start before the ninth inning. Uh, Where are you going to go with it? Well, Ryan Braun left five guys on uh, base last uh, night. And again? Going by two, I had the volume down for a few innings because I needed to in our household. So my audio was Twitter. And based on Dr. J's tweets and those of many others, uh, the problem started with Ryan Braun leaving every single guy on base, it seemed like, every right, time he came okay. up last night. So we don't have the Sogard hit. That was that was a clutch hit by Sogard to tie the game, correct? 
Yes. Sogard got the clutch hit to right field off uh, Pedro Strop, and then you're you're alluding to Ryan Braun came up, and he hit a sh- the ball off his bat was like 104 miles an hour, but right at Baez. Yeah, congrats to Ryan Braun. He hit a ball hard for the well, first time. Well, he did. Time he hit a ball hard, and that's baseball. Don't you guys know that's just baseball? That's the breaks. It's a game of inches. But in the ninth inning, because the ninth inning is football. It's an atom ball. Today at no, the baseball is a game of today inches. at the water cooler while you're pointing out Brewer fans as they try to walk past you without <laughs> you noticing where they got kicked been last kicked night. Kicked in the groin. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. As you put it, uh, the, the ninth inning is going to be talked about. It's going to be talked about. Sure. Um, you start with the play at first. I mean, we've we've all grown up playing baseball, and we. In the backyard, the playground, the schoolyard, whatever, we always threw out that phrase, tie goes to the runner. Haven't we always? Yes. Now, I know it has it has probably no application here because I don't think Major League Baseball looks at it that way, do they? No, especially not with replay now where we can but get we it down do. to the, the we do. frame. We, we grew, I grew up that way. That was the fundamental truth. Tie goes to the runner. Right. And then you can apply it to anything else in your life. Tie goes to the runner. Tie goes to the runner. Two cars. Racing for the same intersection, tie goes to the runner. Well, that was just to determine who the runner is. To settle our disputes because we needed to get the pickup Sandlot games going. Otherwise, you'd be there all day arguing. All right, so here's here's let's break it down. You got Jeffress on the mound because you can't go with with your closer, Knable, because he's pitched three times in three days. Uh, So you get a ground ball to the right side of the infield. Now you've made a bunch of substitutions. Craig Council has. Uh, you've got Neil Walker playing first base. I think during his career he's played all of 62 innings at first base. Walker cuts off that ground ball. Shouldn't do it. Can't do it. Shouldn't have done it. But that's a lack of experience. You can't blame him totally. So here we're, we're talking about who do we blame today list. All right. Yes. Yeah. So Neil Walker, he mis- that was a misplay. Would you? Ag- both of you agree that was a misplay on his part. you got to let the ball go to Sogard. That's an inexperienced yeah. first baseman. Yeah, Rory. inexperienced. Crossed, Understandably he, that's so. It. I, mean, I mean, that's he, he, he went too far to his right. There, there is the old adage of you get to anything that you can get to. So, no, 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 no. Not at first as a base. Fielder? And at first, at we first saw this. Base, Chris Bryant no. earlier in the game didn't go for a ball, no. and it ended up being at a first infield base, single. At first base, you can't. That ball is going to Sogard. you got to know where he's placed, where he's positioned. Just playing devil's advocate You know here. why I bring this up? Okay, no, that's fair. I don't mean to yell at you. Yeah, everybody else but, says today. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is Jeffress felt the same thing, that the ball is going through. Yeah, he did not so go to first he, right He away. hesitated. So now do we blame Jeffress for hesitating? Yes. More so than Walker. I understand Walker's aggressiveness in going for the ball. You, as a pitcher, the very first day of spring training, they work on fielder no, pitching pitchers fielding practice. PFP, baby. PFP. Shared and that's the first thing they work on is covering first base. You can never assume you're always moving. In fact, uh, I think it was just the, the game before, uh, whoever's in relieving, their first move on a ground ball, and they had a great high-up camera view looking down on it, was to immediately start going on a ball hit to the right side to cover first base. And as soon as it realized that it got through, the pitcher veered off and went back towards home plate to be the backup for there. So you so always okay. have to move So that now way. you have two players accountable for Hap being safe. Now you give, uh, what respect 90, that's Madden's term. Respect 90, you know what that means. Respect 90. Respect 90. Right. All 90 means? feet? Yes, run it out. Yeah. And that's what Hap did. So he gets credit. He gets. You got to give him some credit here. I mean, he hustled down the line, uh, and you saw inexperience on the part of Walker. You saw hesitation on the part of Jeffress. So he's safe. Okay, and eventually you have to really credit Baez 
because he hung tough after taking two swings that knocked him off balance. He was in the dirt after his uh, two strikes, right? He was swinging so hard. I think Brock was saying, yeah, it looks like he's trying to put the ball in Lake Michigan. One of the most frustrating things with the new age of baseball, and I understand they have the, the switches, numbers, is the switches and the shifts. And then to see a guy get a hit, especially one that was so important like that one, where the shift is on and he hits what would have been a routine ground ball to the shortstop. Well, that's, that's you. You're one of those sabermaticians. <laughs> I just said it was right? frustrating. That's it. That's and what you do. I also said I understood the shifts and the numbers and, the, and all the metrics on that. But to see two strikes and a guy hit a routine ground ball to the shortstop and that ends up being the big hit. So I think the way, we could, the way could, we, we could look at the top of the ninth if we want to um, as crediting Hap with just all-out hustle on the ground ball. And then, you know, it's a little bit questionable. I don't, how many times did you see the replay last night? Uh, Jeffers contended afterwards, and you would expect him to, just saying that he thought he beat Hap to the bag, but it was so close they couldn't overturn the call on the field, which was safe. So let's credit Hap, credit Bias. That's a heck of two outs, two strikes. You're down to your last swing, essentially. And he, he, he made contact, right? That's what you want. Put the ball in play. You, as a coach, just put the ball in play. Something, might, something good might happen. Right. It's, there's a spe- another thing in this new age we talk about sabermetrics where guys don't care about striking out. They're just all or nothing. Right. They don't mind. Hit a home run. What are you, strike out? Whatever. It's just as important as any other. No, sometimes put the ball in play because something like this can happen. So Lots that was, that was clutch. That was clutch. All right, so the bottom of the ninth. The hottest batter lately has been Santana, right? Would you agree? So you got the bases bases loaded, one out. Uh, Man's forced to bring in Hap, one of his outfielders. So he's played a lot of games at second. So he adds the infielder. You've got two outfielders. You've got Santana at the plate. All he has to do is launch the ball to the outfield. You're probably going to win the game, right? Walk off win. Everybody's jumping up and down in the Brewers' dugout like they just won the World Series. (laughs) Right. But, well, he went for a high pitch. Ball was out of the zone. Did Davis throw any? Did Dr. J, did he throw any strikes? I'm uh, not sure he did. I, I was watching Fox Track during <laughs> every one of his Yeah, during every one of his batters that he faced. I, I think he threw something like six total strikes. And granted, yeah, the strike zone last night was a joke. That Good point. Was I'm huge. glad you brought that for up. Both teams, watching for both Fox teams. Tracks was ridiculous. There were Terrible pitches umpire. down the middle that he was calling. Home plate umpire was a stooge. Oh, it was. And then the, the call, you know, at, uh, at home plate. It was awful all oh, night. That was it was ridiculous. consistently awful. Ridiculous. Well, Rock pointed that out during the broadcast because oh, Rock uh, was low and about inside. as critical as he can get. Yeah, low and inside, definitely inside, was a spot that he was not calling for left-handed hitters all night. And Fox Tracks kept consistently showing that pitch in the same spot, but he wouldn't call it a strike. And then there was somebody later in the game that was oddly like, well, he called that one a strike, and that's been the exact same spot as well, all those awful. other Just pitches. terrible. And you mentioned Sogard's big hit. That came like a pitch after Fox Tracks showed that he should have gotten a strike call, which would have been a big one. And you're like, Boy, you know that pitcher's upset. And usually when they're upset and they don't get the call like that, they end up trying to hang one a little more to make sure to get the call in the next one, and that's what Sogard so Davis, ripped on the line. I mean, the huge out strikes out Santana. All right, no contact there. you got to put the ball. Go back. What did we just Put the ball back in play. Yeah. Just put it in play. Yeah. Even though they got five into it, put it in play. See what happens. All right, then Arcia. Arcia's in a hitter's count, three and one. 
Well, right? and, and both those guys were taking mammoth count. hacks. And it's like, yeah, oh, once, I mean, both of them were taking home run swings with the, like, with the bases loaded. What it, out? In what are you doing? That's the second strike was right down the middle of the plate. Oh, that was, he took it. It was a meatball. Yes. I mean, he just said, here it is, hit it. And he just said, oh, I'll just let it pass. I'm sure he well, won't throw something tougher next. That's the other thing about this new age and the way of thinking. They're guessing a lot. They are sitting on a particular pitch in a particular spot, and if it's not there, that's why you see more and more guys taking strikes because they were fooled or it wasn't so, the pitch they were looking for. So what, for. Orlando Arcia had a 3-1 count with the bases loaded and said, he probably won't throw a fastball. <laughs> I tell you, I'm not defending think, but him think about the, he looking But for, think but. about the irony. He never walks. Yeah. He's always swinging, right. isn't he? Right. So now he's taken. What was he taken for? Yeah, that's ridiculous. All right, when we come back, we'll tell you, though, some, some of the good news from last night because it wasn't all bad news, Brewer fans. So straighten up a little bit. Put a little hop in your step. They can't. They've been kicked in the garage. Even if it hurts. (laughs) Roll around and around some more. (laughs) It hurts. We'll talk about what happened positively in the context of that hunt for October. That's coming up next on Lucas in the Morning. Two hung it deep to left field. Car rushed that in the second deck is his second major league home run in as many days. One nothing Padres. How about these young guys? Here's the 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Strike three. This ball game belongs to my San Diego Padres. Fastball 97 miles an hour from Brad Hand. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Padres, for knocking off the Rocks. The Rocks have lost four straight six of the last eight. Much to the benefit of your Milwaukee Brewers. Welcome back to Lucas in the Morning, Vogel and Dr. J. So there is Colorado stumbling and bumbling. San Diego, three to nothing winner. So it's not all bad what happened last night. It's not all good. It's kind of bad. It's, well, it's kind of crappy is what it is, but there is some hope yet. Now you have to, if, you, if at all you were focused on winning the division, now you just have to make sure that your total focus is on that path to the wild card don't you right this series isn't all about having to win the three out of four or sweep the oh, series which they obviously the they can't do card. now staying alive for the wild card the rockies are in a funk they had Mitch, uh, manager bud black pitching to them uh batting practice yesterday because the team is in an awful way has, hasn't scored a run in over i think it's 20 innings now was their uh streak so still just one game back wild card Wait, very much a possibility a, a bud black team is struggling towards the end of a year oh, oh we're gonna why? jump on you got a bud black problem now he's failed former... everywhere he went oh boy here was we he go. the former padres yes manager yeah that worked yeah. out no, well my san diego padres, my san diego padres. Way, if you can remain that positive how about these young kids <laughs> when they are 69 and 84 nice. you are working that's hall of fame worthy enthusiasm i right do believe there. the rockies will close out at home though so that that if that's an advantage playing Coors Field, correct? That I, is an advantage. Yeah, I guess absolutely, yes, but is. they haven't scored in forever. Let's see there. I'll well, look up haven't. their schedule. They've struggled. Here for you. Uh, programming note: In less than ten minutes, we're going to talk Packers football. We'll get an update on Nick Perry. He's not going to play. Not going to play, and doesn't look like Mike Daniels will play. But Bill Scott will be with us to update us on all those injuries at six thirty. Then at seven fifteen, we're going to get delve into what's happened with Sean Eichhorst, his firing at Nebraska. Uh, we'll talk to Andy Baggett. An interesting list of candidates for both AD and head coach. Uh, we'll talk 
that at top of the hour with Uncle Lukey's List. And then at 7.30, Tom Hodercourt will join us to give us his insight on what happened last night between the Cubs and the Brewers. So the Rockies, by the way, finish up. It's a four-game series in San Diego. So three more there with the pods. My San Diego Padres. And then they do finish up at home, as you mentioned, against the Florida Marlins for three. So hopefully Stanton can go off hitting home runs. Yeah, the Marlins are checked out. And then the L.A. Dodgers to close out the year. So no given there, although the Dodgers will probably be setting up the playoff Uh, pitching rotation. Yeah, they will. So who are we blaming now? Have we determined the list? Can who's, we, who's on the list? Can we Braun. Wait, can we can we go back to last night and blame the Brewers of last night for destroying their bullpen for tonight's game uh, or yesterday's game? I mean, sorry, two nights ago. I, okay, I'm we, all mixed up in my head. All right, I want to go back to two nights ago when the Brewers lost. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we blame those Brewers for destroying the bullpen for last night's game against the Cubs. Because the Brewers couldn't use any of their big guys, any of them. Hader, Swarzak, Knable. That might have helped against the Cubs with a 3-2 lead. I don't know. But you were putting all your chips into the middle of the table against the Pirates to I, try to win that I game. I know. I'm just saying that the, the Brewers' inability to you win to that game. You stay in the moment. Can you stay in the moment I, at all? <laughs> okay. you got to blame just one game at a time. You can't go back blaming other I games. I think that game may have led to some of the issues well, in this game. Especially the Swarzak. He was on fumes when they brought yeah, him he in. Didn't Clearly didn't have his stuff and gets Pittsburgh. I think I would have gone with Stan Laurel instead of Oliver Hardy. Oh, boy. There's <laughs> Oh, just name, cue up that old, ma- old man, that old hack music. We yeah, have that one. There that, we go. That's <laughs> such an old hack flashback that I don't even understand I don't even what know it that is. One. Isn't this from Laurel and Hardy? Oh, no, because right. I, I, all year I've heard about how Oliver Hardy, it doesn't Ooh. matter. If, Oliver Hardy came out of the bullpen the last night pitched for the Brewers. Drake? Drake. Oh, Drake. it's Drake? I thought it was Oliver Hardy. <laughs> oh, my bad. I heard about it doesn't matter if they're right-handers or left-handers. They'll still hit them. Is that the <laughs> way they get hit them? Nice. <laughs> too many, Lord. too many missed opportunities for the Brewers <laughs> in a game like that when they had chances. With LeBron leaving five guys on base, other guys had chances as well. And obviously at the very end, there what happened in the ninth inning? Well, here's they the question: had If Quadricourt joins us, and look, I I might even give him a pass today because that was a late night, <laughs> late night. He's <laughs> been kicked in the here, crotch too. Yes. Oh no. Well, here the <laughs> qu- no the question for him or anybody for both of you slugs: uh, the Brewers are now four and ten in extra innings. What do you th- what do you think goes into an extra inning uh, with success or fit? What 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 does it come down to in extra innings? I'm serious. Well, certainly I, a bullpen for starters. Yeah. Got to have a healthy and strong bullpen. Oh, they yeah. do have one. It's just been burned out so much the last month. But that's a horrible record. I think last night was a like it showed you exactly why they have that record because their guys just swing for the fences and in extra innings you need guys on base you got to manufacture some they runs had the it doesn't bases loaded in the ninth I know do I know but I'm saying but it doesn't always come yes. down to home runs in extra innings thank you and what and you, the Brewers every batter that goes up there for. well because look well, look at what happened Santana and RC with the bases loaded were swinging for a home run guess what guys that wasn't necessary in that situation one run would have done just fine not four that's a problem all your arguments because that that's a huge factor in how this season is playing itself out. Four and ten. That's rough. In extra inning games. Got to be able to manufacture some Cubs runs. Cubs are five and two, I believe. Yes. Got to be able to manufacture some runs somehow, some way. Yeah, and Small I'm not saying ball, that you need whatever, to bunt. I'm not, I'm not saying that it. you need to bunt. No, I'm saying that <laughs> but I'm either. I'm saying you need to put the ball in play. Choke up a little bit. Put it in con- or you know, Make some contact instead of just striking out every event. Look at the last inning. That's strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Good work, boys. Steal bases, a, a, ground, a productive out, like you're saying, not striking out but moving a runner over or driving him in. But aren't, just plays. Making a play. I'll, I'll give you this one. Making a play. I, I, I know Bryant hit a two-run home run. It would have been a 
a solo shot, though, if Broxton just makes a play in the outfield on sure. John Jay's yeah, fly ball. And that's, it's a fly ball, and he's anticipating a super catch. That's, the that's thing. exactly what he was doing, yeah, thinking he was, he was going to climb highlight. the wall, be on ESPN's highlight reel, and he didn't have to. He, he didn't have to leave his feet. He ended up jumping six inches off the ground to make it look jump. cooler. It is ridiculous. That's, did he? Yeah, he did. Uh, but just, those are a little... Don't, don't you think... Would you buy that those are some of the little things yeah you're an extra innings. you got to make that play a- absolutely a lot of little things whether it's a play in the field play at the plate on the bases whatever the case might be the thing that i keep thinking about is we're having this argument now for two segments isn't it fun though i mean yes. i know it's a kick yes. to the cross but great it, welcome to postseason baseball whether they make it or it not playoff they're baseball. getting playoff baseball yes. for an entire month right absolutely. now absolutely yes nobody you're right ever thought this and i'm not saying that hey no matter what happens it was tremendous last night spin right now you you were i was on the edge all, entire last three innings just Every, I couldn't leave the I couldn't leave the living room because I didn't want to miss something. You know what? Eighth Even or, a pitch. This is how enthralling it was for me. Eighth or ninth inning. I think I told you I mentioned following Joel and others on Twitter last night. Somebody finally put out a tweet that made me think, oh my God, that's right. There's an NFL game going on tonight. I had no clue. And it was a heck of a game. About it. I was locked yeah, in. Really During commer- it was a hell of a game. You, you won't find a better game on a Thursday night the rest of the year. Oh, well. Speaking of the NFL, <laughs> we are a Packer state. We yes, are. Yes. Uh, Nick Perry will not play on Sunday. Anybody else going to be scratched? We'll talk to Bill Scott next on Lucas in the Morning. It sucks, for lack of a better term, because, you know, we always try and keep it in perspective. It's, it's a tough position to play. You know what I mean? You know, I think last year, I think Julius and, you know, Julius is Julius was the only guy to not miss a game at that outside linebacker position. But, you know, for Nick to, you know, this early in the season to mess up his hand like that, we're just hoping that he can um, uh, get back out here and play as well as he did with that cast. Got to be honest, I thought he picked out the right word. It was Clay Matthews talking about Nick Perry and another injury this time to his hand this time again to his hand, and it does suck. I mean, you lose Perry. Julius, Julius was Julius Peppers, the old man that he referenced there. Our Green and Gold Insider, Bill Scott, is brought to you by Metro Ford of Madison. Good morning, Bill. Um, How much are they going to miss Nick Perry, and do you have any other updates on injuries for Sunday's game? Um, Nothing concrete uh, other than the fact that, you know, just uh, from guys that uh, have practiced, Balaga was back out there again yesterday, and looking like he's probably going to play on Sunday. And Bakhtiari didn't practice, uh, and it's looking more and more like he may sit at least another game. Uh, you know, Mike Daniels probably going to be down, and uh, I think that's the intriguing one at this point. They re-signed Ricky Jean-Francois, uh, and you know I, I think if it would be a one-game thing, they'd probably just figure a way to get by. But uh, to, to me, that might be an indication that uh, he might be down for a few games. Well, I mean, you liked Perry, the way he had uh, gotten ready for this season, but is is this a trust thing where you, you can't trust him to be around for 16 games? Well, you know, I mean, yeah, that would probably be an accurate statement. Um, I, I think we probably figured that out a year or two ago um, already, but you know, I, I think uh, the way Mike McCarthy put it uh, in, in, the, in the sound room, well, Clay Matthews put it in the soundbite. Mike McCarthy said, echoed almost the same thing. He said, "It's just a, you know, he's a he's a violent football player at a violent position, and I think that uh, well, it would be nice to to have a player out there for 16 games. I don't know that they even expect it." 
I had to follow along on Twitter to find out, Bill, that the Packers are the only team to deal with injury issues during the NFL season because <laughs> apparently their entire training staff needs to be fired because of the Packers' numerous injuries. I know fans are obviously uh, frustrated by all the number of uh, the, the mash unit that they've become, but uh, what about the team, the players, and the coaches? Is there a sense with them that this seems out of the norm for the NFL or maybe more so than, than in seasons past, or is this just kind of business as usual? No, I, I think it's... Uh, I, I think it's the fans and even in some cases the media that uh, seem to think that the Packers are the only snake-bitten team in the National Football League. I, I think I saw yesterday that the Jets had 15 players, 15 or 16 players on their injury report. New England had a dozen. Indianapolis had 13. Um, there are a number of teams that are in the same boat as, as the Packers are. It's a, it, it's a, a game that filled with injuries and there's a lot of teams that are that are being hit by it it's not just the Packers so you know I I I mean I get a kick out of people they there's no educational background for anything you know that they any conclusion that they come to it's just they want to see the training staff fired because something's got to happen with all these injuries so I think it's the altitude in Ashwaubenon (laughs) (laughs) I do I think that it's it's real I mean, that oh. thing, is, and it's real. I found that to be true in Provo, and I think it just also applies to Ashwaubenon with soft tissues. Well, I, I don't think Ashwaubenon has had, a, has had anything more than a two-story building until they, uh, besides Lambeau Field until they put up the new hotel over there now, so maybe some of the, you know, maybe it is the altitude. That's the problem. We, we focused <laughs> and centralized on it. All right, so when you take a look at the Bengals, I, I mean, we can all, everybody says the same thing when you're 0-2. Oh, that's a dangerous team. Is it a dangerous team to your thinking? Well, I, I mean, I think um, if if a team has some talent, they will play. I mean, you, you know, we we've all seen the chances of football teams when they start zero and two, and then if they drop to zero and three, what their chances are to to make the playoffs in the end, and they're not very good. And I mean, history tells you that if you go zero and three. Um, for the most part, your season is kind of written as almost over. <laughs> so I, I think there will be a little desperation, but I don't think it's going to be a panic, and I don't know that they're a dangerous team. I, I don't know that the Bengals are a real good football team right now. They, I mean, people will talk about them defensively, and, yeah, they have a couple of uh, stalwarts on the defensive side of the football and led by Geno Atkins on the defensive line, but... I mean, they. I think they have five or four sacks or something like that as a team, and he's got three of them. So how, you know, how how good are they? I, you know, they played two football teams that, you know, certainly you're not going to write home about when it comes to you know their offensive prowess either. So um, I I think they're just a team that's in the decline, and in spite of all of the injury issues that the Packers have, their ability to win games at Lambeau Field, I don't see this as a real threat. How do they attack the Bengals this week coming off of what happened in Atlanta? Do they, with Jordy Nelson and whatever his status is and uh, the offensive line and the issues they've had with the uh, the tackles, most notably uh, there, do we see even more of, whether it's just even more of Ty Montgomery, which seems hard to say because he's been playing so many snaps as it is, more of a, a running attack, or do they spread it out and, and try to get the passing game going despite those injuries? Well, you know, Rob, I can't imagine them not getting the passing game going because that's what their offense is. You know, I, I'm sure that um, Ty Montgomery is going to be a, a part of it. 
you know, they'd like to run the football, but they'll, you know, they'll get. I, I do think, though, that, you know, and, and it's only two weeks in, so it's interesting that the questions about the fact that Ty Montgomery leads all NFL running backs in, in the number of plays or, or uh, touches, um, I, I find that interesting that after two weeks it's being brought up already and, and asking Mike McCarthy if he has to worry about giving this guy rest. I, I, you know, I, I just I have a hard time appreciating the angles that some of these reporters take two weeks into a season, <laughs> like they're worried about overdoing it with, with Ty Montgomery right now. Um, but I, I, I think the Packers, uh, I mean, they're, they're a football team that likes to throw the ball. And, and if Belaga's back in the lineup this week, uh, and, you know, now you've got at, at least one of your two starting tackles back. Nelson, by all accounts, appears to be uh, you know ready to jump back into it again. So I I think you're going to see the Packers getting back to normal offensively. Bill, I do have one question about the rookie running backs. Is that is it the lack of confidence that they can pick up a blitz or protect the quarterback in passing situations that has prevented any of them from seeing much playing time, even though it's only two games into the season? Well, I think... Um, you know, I I think it's first of all some of it has to do with like the the first week they kept uh, all but one of those running backs up. Last week they I think they had two down um, because Mays I think was inactive last week as well. Uh, I I think it's probably a little bit of that, and it's probably just a little bit of uh, the fact that they don't necessarily trust these guys yet. Maybe they don't think they're re- they're ready to uh, to jump in uh, with with any kind of. Uh, you know, consistency in terms of volume, um, and and they just uh, trust Ty Montgomery at the moment. So, I, you know, my, Montgomery's got his own blocking issues. You know, so I I can't believe they would they would they would hold it against a, a rookie if he's struggling a little bit there because I think Montgomery struggles too. Bill, thank you. Have a good weekend. We'll talk again early Monday morning. Okay, sounds good, guys. Thanks, Bill. Our Green and Gold Insider, Bill Scott, is brought to you by Metro Ford of Madison. During the second hour of our show, we're going to talk with Andy Baggett from UWBadgers.com. Uh, we'll ask Andy for his thoughts on what just happened at Nebraska, the firing of Sean Eichhorst. Who's next? Who's the AD they're going to go after? What's this mean to Mike Riley? Really, what does it mean to Mike Riley? And then at 7.30, Tom Audercourt uh, will share some of his thoughts on what happened last night at Miller Park. All of that and much more on Lucas in the Morning. is under center. Todd Gurley, his lone back with two touchdowns to his credit. Looking for his third. He bounces it left. Can he get the pylon? Stiff arm. Extension. He does. Touchdown. LA. Todd Gurley with number three. That was a play that no one in the state of Wisconsin saw last night. Probably most of the country for that matter. But it was a entertaining Thursday night special. Though tough on the eyes because of those uniforms. Nonetheless, the Rams win 41-39, came down to a two-point conversion that failed, and that 49ers recovered the onside kick and still had some life. They could have gotten in field goal position, but uh, a fourth-down sack by Aaron Donald ended that. So here, if you're a fantasy owner, Jared Goff, mm-hmm. 22 of 28 for 292 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, zero sack. Jared Goff, you remember him? Jared Goff. He was a rookie G-O-F-F. last year. G-O-F-F. Goff. It's not for the fact the 49ers couldn't see him with those jerseys they were wearing last oh, night. It was hard geez. not to spot any of the Rams players. Rough. Should hang those up in the Mustard Museum. I'll leave them there. <laughs> I love them. Uh, Todd Gurley, 28 carries, 113. 
two touchdowns running, one receiving. Robert Woods, six catches, 108. Sammy Watkins, 6, 106, two touchdowns. They got Brian, Robert Woods down there, too? Yeah. Just former Buffalo receiver. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank goodness there? Sammy didn't fall off the end of the earth running those pass patterns <laughs> last night. Uh, Brian Hoyer. <laughs> is he one of those guys who believes it's flat? Yes! Yep. yep. Idiot. Uh, Brian Hoyer, 23 of 37, was it? 32? So, oh, who cares? 332. Exactly. <laughs> thank you. Uh, the, the, <laughs> uh, no, there's no reason to care about this game. No. There was no reason whatsoever to care about this game at all. Though, I will make this comment. Uh, the young coach Sean McVay mm-hmm. for the for the Rams, very interesting because he's totally into the offense. So when the Rams defense is on the field, he doesn't even stand on the sidelines. We're talking about the head coach, so he's back with the offensive unit. And Wade Phillips, the old Wade Phillips, is running the defense. When was the last time you, it would be like McCarthy spending all his time with the offense? When the defense is on the field, he might as well because the defense is pretty garbage, anyways. Uh, even so with him watching get a it, shot but, out. Yes, but for him, uh, from again the the uh, in the Rams situation, who better to trust than Wade Phillips? No, no, you think Wade Phillips saying. needs you over his shoulder but, of all the things he's done? But as, don't as you a think coach? that's unique? I mean, yeah. your head coach is yeah. it's not paying any attention to what the defense is doing I'll on say the this, field. That that team last year, or even for the last couple of years, has been a defense first team, and now their offense seems to be better than their defense. So guess what? It's working. Right. They they needed some offensive help and some extra attention for uh, Gurley, first time since 2015, going over a hundred yards, and as you mentioned, fantasy owners uh, loving that. How about one other LA Nugget? Uh, this, though, related to the other team that's battling in L.A., the Chargers. Don Banks, uh, who appears regularly on the Mike Keller Show in the afternoons here, uh, reported on The Athletic uh, that he said he's been painted a picture uh, that there are discussions by uh, league officials about possibly moving the Chargers back no. to San Diego. Really? Well, that would be good There thing. are at least some conversations happening That'd be a good that. thing. I really, I'm seriously, Could get some up. Put some fans would just put, like, yeah, no, just come no on back. No, there's no fans. What fans? There's no San, fans. No, well, in no San Diego. I, but I well, think the fans in San yeah, Diego would just, welcome them back. Yeah, oh, would they? There are no fans in Los Angeles for the Chargers. Yes, I think they if they worked out the right deal, yeah, I think the fans would go like, put some money into that you stadium. So you should have never done this in the first place. If you get a nice stadium, yeah, get a yeah, sta- yeah. got to get a stadium. How would the order walk back to like with his tail between his legs? They got millions of dollars. They don't care. Yeah, they get money. They don't care. All right. Finally, better late than never. Do you have the excuse from Ezekiel Elliott? Yeah, finally. I guess you could say it looked like that. I mean, I think you could. I would say I was just very frustrated, but that's no excuse for the lack of effort I showed on tape, and I just can't do that. You know, being one of the leaders of this team and, you know, being a guy that people count on, I, I can't put that type of stuff on film. Sincere or not, yes or no? Sincere or not? No. No. All right, good. We'll move on. Charles Barkley is always genuine. Sincere. And often sincere. Here's what he had to say about the NBA softening up. You know, these poor babies can't play back-to-back games. We just want to make it convenient for them. That $40, $50 million they're making a year just can't stress them out. The private jets and the four-star hotels is not enough. So I just want to commend the NBA for just making it so convenient for these poor babies. What do you think? (laughs) Spot on. I love him. I love Chuck. It's both accurate and kind of wrong at the same time. What, by the way, when did the NBA downgrade to four star? Isn't there five star right. hotels? Why? Why are they saying four Charles. star hotels? Well, why? What's bad? Well, you said it. It was good and bad. What was the it, bad? It's accurate in that you know they make a ton of money and probably should be able to play multiple nights in a row. What's not accurate about it is when teams do play back-to-backs, the level of play always goes down just precipitously. I mean, right. betters in Vegas literally just pick the back-to-back teams and say, okay, we'll, we'll pick that team. I mean, here, it's, it's bad basketball. It. If yeah. this will eliminate coaches resting players, I'm all for it. I hate that when they're resting players, especially when teams are on the road. 
So some of the high-profile teams rest the high-profile players on the road when you or me or well, sure. Dr. Well, about, J have one chance maybe of seeing that team play. Well, no, how about instead of the stars are playing. resting players, you have to do it at some point. But how about doing? How about just resting one guy at a time instead of resting the entire Spurs starting rotation for a game? And that's where things get ridiculous. With Chuck's statement there, the one problem is though, the amount of money the guy makes has nothing to do with whether it's a good or bad idea to be playing back-to-backs. Those are two separate things, so that shouldn't be roped in there. The other thing I worry about for the Chuckster... He's become the old man, get off my lawn, you kids thing for, for everything. I know, but for everything. For we the all, league. every media outlet runs to Chuck when it comes to anything that happens good for the new generation no, and, and gets and, him st- his hot take. And, and word of advice for all the old-timey basketball players, like, enough on ragging on the league. These guys would destroy your team, so stop saying that you were better yeah, and stop saying that you had it better. Oh, you think the Warriors wouldn't beat, I mean, pretty much anybody? No, that's Garbage. What a ridiculous argument. I don't. I don't. So every conversation has to come back to his age versus our age. Yeah. I, no. You Do speak you, for you speak for that generation, though. That's fair. I've got Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, and Larry Bird on line three. They would like oh, to were have they a conversation. On the team? Were they on the same team together? Oh, they weren't? Oh, no. okay. Then well, I don't, actually, then I don't yes, care. they were. They, they were on the dream team. Oh, Maybe you heard of them. Heard Did they the play in the NBA? Well, in no? today's era, they would all be on the same team yes, because that's exactly. what happens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you millennials. Just yeah. pick and choose your team. Contracts mean nothing. Loyalty, yeah. nothing. And before you leave today, I've got a trophy for you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> uh, second hour of the show, Andy Bag to talk about the Sean Icors firing. 715, 730, Tom Hodricourt to review what he saw last night at Miller Park. All of that coming up on Lucas in the Morning. Okay, patrons, it's time to grab a little slice of cake and put on that party hat because it's birthdays, dead or alive. You saw it's your birthday. Here's Uncle Lukey. Thank you, Eddie. Let's uh, go to White Snake. You want to do a little White Snake? We do that right off the top. Which David one Coverdale. Oh, slow and easy. David Coverdale, sixty-six today. Was there one you wanted me to go with? Yeah, Rob. What would you? I don't know if it would prefer. have been my first choice. Yeah, probably not. But uh, I, okay, well then you tell right. me. I, I'll play I don't it. Know. Speaking of slow I and easy, when are we getting intro. to the song? Yeah, Hello. Here, here, let me just let me just fast forward. Give me a second. <laughs> While you're doing that, uh, I'll point out that a couple of Badgers, former Badger icers, skaters, are celebrating birthdays today. One is Mark Johnson. Mark Johnson oh, is yeah. 60 years old. Ooh, Can you believe that? Old Mark. man. Old man. I just was watching he him just, the last He just finished days. yet another uh, Ironman competition uh, with his two he, kids. Yeah, his kids did as well. Yep. I was just watching him last couple days because I've been watching uh, on YouTube USA versus Czechoslovakia 1980 Olympic game. All right, that's because that's what I do in my spare time. That's what you were watching. 1980 Olympic. That's down on uh, my list for tonight. (laughs) I'm I'm going to skip the Brewers and watch USA versus Czechoslovakia. You know what else I stumbled on from back in your era? I found a a rare video of the 1982 national championship hockey game, North Dakota and Wisconsin. There you go. Boy, this is slow. Turn it up a little so we can hear I would have picked Still of the Night or something like that, but this is a good song. I love it once it gets to it. Oh, it just took a little time. We yeah, got there, boys. Up. I can't hear it. Takes a while. I want, I want people here. to hear it so we can segue to Debbie Bullock. Oh! Oh! 
Wow. Our second time in about, what, seven days? No, Here's... four days. We brought this up on Tuesday. It was Debbie Boone what? Tuesday. Was it just Tuesday? It just out of the blue. Well, she is 61 today, so we do have to honor her birthday. How, how amazing is it that we just organically brought her up on Tuesday? Enough of Debbie Boone. And it's her birthday on Friday. But we, now we figured out that the reason we were talking about her is I was telling the story of how I got the Debbie Boone album from my dad as a kid. Great album to get if you're, if you're exactly, a kid. Exactly, because it went with Air Supply was the other <laughs> album that I got. But we still... None of our memories can remember how we even got onto that subject for any reason. All right, reason. the other badge you celebrating birthday, Mike Richter. Mike hey. Richter is 51 years old today. Uh, number 35, you will find it in the rafters of Madison Square Garden, uh, was the engineer behind that 94 Stanley Cup championship team. <laughs> USA Hall of Fame. Oh, this is terrific backdrop, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Mike coached last spring with the national women's team with Rob Stauber. He was an assistant. I don't know if, if they're going to be on the Olympic staff together or not? Uh, we'll ask Brian Post. Stauber might be. Yeah, talk about two great goaltenders, oh, Richter and Stauber, two of the greatest in WCHA in history for sure. Have we reached the crescendo yet? Oh, my goodness. Oh, we got to the chorus, I guess, if that's uh, the Joe Jet. Did I put Joan Jet down? They little did. Joan Jet, yeah. 57 today. Thank goodness, Joan. Uh, two other birthdays of note. Well, three. Mike Matheny, Mike Heller's favorite manager, favorite baseball player, played five seasons in Milwaukee, you know. He loves uh, small ball. 47 today, Matheny. Uh, the player who got eaten by the tarp in St. Louis, Vince oh. Coleman. Vince Coleman, 56 years old. Remember that? 1985, he had stolen 110 bases, then couldn't play in the World Series. He was in Game 4 against the Dodgers. He fell under the tarp, and it broke his leg. I do remember that because in three years' time... You don't time, remember that, do you? Yep, I wasn't alive. The Cardinals went to two World Series in three years' time. 85 and 87 had injury issues derail both those titles. Vince in 85 and Jack Clark in 87. Last birthday, old penitentiary face is celebrating a birthday. Jeffrey Leonard, one flap down. Yeah, my guy, one flap down. I love that. Penitentiary face. Old yeah. penitentiary face, one of the great nicknames in <laughs> all of sports. Uncle Lukey's List coming up next on Lucas in the Morning. Top of the morning to you, patrons. Get ready for a freak out Friday. I'm not freaking out. And get ready for Lucas in the morning. Today, we're going to raise the freak out flag with these guys. I am freaking out. Like our buddy Bags. Andy Baggett from UWBadgers.com at 715. Bags? Tom Hardrecord. He's with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and JS Online at 730. And now it's time to shout out with your freak out. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but hey, here's Rob Vogel and Mike Lucas. I have aired. I thought I was doing a good deed by bringing in two fritters on a Fritter Friday, two fritters and a cream-filled donut, but alas, alas, poor York. It was not a cream-filled donut, but a jelly-filled donut. And Brian Posick. Hates jelly-filled do donuts. Can't do it. Nothing worse. No, can't do it. Sorry. Uh, do you hate it when the Brewers squander opportunities in the bottom of the ninth to win a game that they needed to win? Only when they do it two nights in a row. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> During a pennant yeah, race right. in September. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I mean, again. What you know. will you remember most about last night's game? Because it could very possibly be a game that everyone looks back on and says, oh, they were so close to beating and, the and Cubs I, you know, and getting off yeah, on the right foot. And I generally don't single out guys, but, you know, Domingo Santana homered and doubled and scored the tying run yesterday. He's been playing so very, very well, and he strikes out with the bases loaded and one out in the ninth. 
I hear you. You know, put the ball with in play. an extra it, infielder and yep, two outfielders. And, right, and he, you know, and, uh, you know, he had, he went fishing a couple of times earlier um, in the game. I, I don't know if he's swinging for the downs now because he's been hitting home runs or what, but that's... Uh, but nobody, but yeah. understand this too, and I think it's important to point out, nobody swings for the downs more than Baez. Nobody no, that, does. That's true. But yeah. he put the ball in play. Correct. A grounder, On yes. A two-strike, seeing two eye ground, whatever yeah. you want to call it. But mm-hmm. he put the ball in play, yeah. which all Santana had to do was put the ball in play. Yeah, and see what happens. You yes. know, if you ground it with a double play, fine. But just, you know, in the strike It's a fly out. ball. That's going to fall in most likely. But yeah, right, right. So that's too bad. You got some young players going through this for the oh, first yeah. time, you know, and there's going to be some growing pains in moments like this. Yeah. There's some great moments, yeah. and then moments that just make you lose your hair. And I think that'll just benefit them in the future. It's just that, you know, now that they're in this position, you want them to you know to get it done make it happen you know let's let's see what type well, of you got fun two they can outs, have it two strikes through. on bias you got to yeah. close you got to close that out uh, I, I, everyone's and jeremy f- jeffers has you know experience I, closing yes you know well, how many Baez saves credit, last year 27 get, saves get last year credit, yeah and then the play at first tie goes to the runner no they don't count that but mm-hmm. it looked like a tie to me looked yeah. like maybe jeffers beat hap to the bag right but the bottom line is neil walker should have never cut it off mm-hmm. and because Jeffers was anticipating the ball getting to Sogard. He didn't get off the mound right away. Quickly enough, all yeah. of that, right? All right. those little things add yeah, up. So you have an in, in, inexperienced first baseman yes. trying to make a play, right? And then Hap hustles and 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 beats the throw, and then he moves to second on hustle. the grounder. Yep. Respect yeah. ninety. Like kid. Respect yeah. ninety feet. All yeah. these little things are so magnified, not only because yeah. of the time of the year and importance of the game, but. Because these kinds of games are close. There's not 12 to 1, 7 to 1 type right. games right now. The Cubs are a good team. They're in it. The Pirates, they always play close games with them, even though the Pirates are out of it. So it's always going to be a one We're or two fun run watch. game. And and it emphasizes your point yesterday, too. You know, this is what makes this fun. I've, I've said know? a list of reasons why that was so entertaining last night. He's Couldn't got a bat. list, and he's checking it twice. It's time for Uncle Lukey's list. Here's Uncle Listy. Uh, I mean, no, Uncle Lukey. I got to admit, I'm biased on this. I hate this story. Uh, Sean, <laughs> I hate this story that Sean Eichhorst got fired. I hate that Sean Eichhorst got fired. Why? Because uh, he's a friend. And I told you, I'm biased. Mm-hmm. I, I can't be objective on it. Okay. And I know why he got fired. He did some things wrong. Um, speaking after the game, uh, talking to the media last week was wrong. About Mike Riley. Yes, yeah. that was wrong. Yes, it was. That was wrong. Yeah. Why um, air your dirty laundry or whatever yeah, in the just, media? Just don't do that it. That was a bad Bad on his part. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably should not have retained his basketball coach, mm-hmm. according to people in Lincoln. Tim Miles, yeah. Yeah, probably wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that he tried to eliminate Black Friday, the game that's played after Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and then uh, reneged on that and came back yeah. and, and said, well, no, well, wrong. Mm-hmm. But he's a good person, good administrator, high-integrity guy. Uh, Nebraska wants to be what it was. Yeah. It's not what it is. Person, personally, uh, 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 the error was made when Nebraska hired him, in my opinion, because he's not a Nebraska guy. He will never be a Nebraska guy, and he tried to change some things that Nebraska fans wanted nothing to do with. So, in my opinion, they hired the wrong man for well, the athletic director's well, yeah, no. job, in, and then maybe Sean hired the wrong guy to be the football coach. Yeah, well, that's what that's right? going to play. How would you like to be Mike Riley now? 
Well, exactly. He's a lame duck. You're dead man walking. No question about it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's I mean, one of the nicest people oh, you will absolutely. ever meet. Yeah. All right. So the growing list already, all sorts of lists now. First for the athletic director. They say they're going to name an athletic director before November. Mm. Trev Alberts is the leader in the clubhouse. Right. Former he, Husker. And he's at Nebraska-Omaha. Yeah. He's kind of a goof. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jim Phillips, Northwestern's yeah, name. Yeah. 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 Uh, Northwestern's AD's got his name on there. Yeah. Kevin White at Duke. Uh, who'd you have? You got the guy, Patterson. Del Conte was uh, the AD at TCU, and then maybe yeah. he'd bring in Gary Patterson, his head coach at TCU. Okay. All right, yeah. so this is USA Today list of coaches. All right, here's Mike Riley. Mm. We're in the, we haven't got into conference play yet, and yeah. they've got a list of candidates to replace Mike Riley. Yeah, but they're one and two for the second time yeah. in three years, you know. Scott I mean, Frost has got Husker ties, played yeah, Nebraska. Right. He's kind of considered a creative, offensive mind. Uh, Craig Bowl. Really? He was an assistant here under Don Morton. Yeah, yeah. Had great success in North Dakota State. Is now at Wyoming. Right. Nebraska ties. Huh. Uh, Mike Leach? No way. Wouldn't, no way. No, I can't believe that. Uh, no. On this list, USA He's Today. Laugh him right Brett Bielema. This is USA Today's list. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? No, not to, for Brett Bielema. Oh, no? actually, oh, no. I think that makes more sense than a couple of the other what, guys you mentioned. How does Brett play ball? Like yeah, the Nebraska like teams Nebraska of Nebraska would want right? to play ball. Yeah, ball, definitely. Big offensive mm-hmm. lineman, run mm-hmm. it right at you. Yeah. yeah. Physical. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, in reading the yeah. O- yeah. Omaha World, I believe that's the uh, newspaper uh, in uh, Nebraska, Omaha, they talked about a bit of I course fi- uh, firing and brought it back to Barry Alvarez. And this writer points out one of the reasons because, Sean, they didn't feel it was personable enough. Whether it was greeting, boosters, talking to them after games, glad-handing, yeah. doing all those kinds sure, of things sure. you have to do as fundraisers. into the job. This, one, this writer tied in also talking about Barry Alvarez and said, this writer called Barry Alvarez to get a comment after Sean was fired. Mm-hmm. Said the phone rang three times and Barry answered his own phone. Yeah. They talked for five minutes about a variety of things and then got answers to his questions about the subject and then boom. Yeah. Said, now you call Sean's office, you'd get his handler was the way it was put yeah, in there yeah, yeah. and maybe or maybe not ever get a call back wouldn't get answers and it was mm-hmm. tough they said to relate or deal with him mm-hmm. and this is whether you're a booster or whether the media and so certainly part of that all created the yeah, atmosphere a lot, of, a lot of things that he got the name silent sean down there yeah i will say that barry doesn't answer his phone all the time you know what? he's got a he's got a handler or you know an assistant yeah, linda a, does a they, fantastic they call job. Now yes. this out. i don't let's think he's going to answer his phone all the time but he <laughs> certainly did there live yeah. let's try it right now yeah yeah, well, he'll Sean will be fine. He'll catch on. And, mm-hmm. uh, he could be happy doing it. He could go back to Whitewater and be happy because yeah. that's his mentality. And by the way, he still has $1.7 million owed to him on his contract that ran in 2019. Nebraska's yeah. still paying Pelini. Oh, yeah, I know. And oh, yeah. so now if they fire Riley, they're, they're going to have well over $10 million on their payroll for people who aren't there. Right. Again, it goes back to the way up top, who hired, who did the hiring of the athletic director that hired the football coach that has them in the position they're in right now. And, and I like Sean, too. Don't get me wrong. I hear you. No, I, I just, just, I had to, I just I had thought to, it was a mistake. I had to throw out that yeah. qualifier because when I, it's tough for me to talk about this. We'll, we'll talk more about this, though. Andy Baggett joins us next on Lucas in the Morning. fact of the matter is, we need to raise our on-field competitiveness. Competing at a high level is required for the long-term success of Nebraska athletics. We intend to bring in a new athletic director, certainly to drive that success. That was Nebraska Chancellor Ronnie Green. He did not hire Sean Eichhorst, but he sure enough fired him 
on Thursday. Welcome back to Lucas in the Morning. Joining us now from UWBadgers.com, Andy Baggett. Good morning, Andy. Morning, guys. You all right? Yeah. yeah. How, how, what were some of your thoughts after you heard that Eichhorst had been fired? Was I surprised? No. Uh, I think by the, a little bit by the timing, but um, ever since it's been, there have been a lot of dominoes falling here in the last uh, couple of weeks with regards to how uh, Sean goes about his business, with about how uh, the Nebraska's uh, marquee sport has performed, with how fans have reacted, with how the media has reacted. Uh, I didn't think it, there would be a, uh, a transaction like this in the middle of a season, and I think there's a message being sent there, obviously, uh, uh, but uh, I'm not, I can't say I'm surprised. But given all these things that are now coming out in the stories we're hearing, whether it's from uh, Nebraska boosters or administrators uh, about Sean and, and personality or uh, other things as to why maybe uh, this de- decision was made, the fact that just a month ago, about a month ago or so, that same individual, Ronnie Green, had offered Sean a contract extension uh, that ended up getting tabled by the the president. Does that not speak to the fact that all of these other things that we're hearing, yeah, they're nice, they might be true, there might be at least elements of truth to them, but one and two is one and two, and it could have been oh and three, and that's why the decision was made. Well, the the fact of the matter is Nebraska right now is a desperate uh, it's a desperate place, and that's what's changed. Um, the, your their marquee sport, the the one play, the one. Uh, the biggest thing they hang their hat on is is in trouble, and you can find a, a pathway to that all leads back to Sean about the coach he hired, about the way he's gone about his business since he came the became the AD. Uh, I think there's a lot to there's a lot of moving parts to how all this came down, but at the end of the day, I think the uh, you it's this is a, a school. That is unique uh, in a lot of ways. That certainly far more. I mean, it's certainly not not things that are done differently and viewed differently in Nebraska than they are in Wisconsin and and other places in the Big Ten. And uh, we're seeing the results of, of of impatience. We're seeing the results of uh, of let's cut our losses and let's try and get things figured out because. Uh, I don't know how else this this uh, this whole thing looks to people, but that's what it looks like to me. Now, reportedly, Nebraska's going to hire an athletic director before the end of the season. Trev Alberts. Yeah, he looks like the front runner. I agree with you. Uh, how would you like to be Mike Riley right now, uh, with absolutely no certainty of, of returning? Uh, you still oh, have to. He's he's uh, he's smart enough to read the the, the tea leaves. You got to win. I mean, and the the question becomes. What's going to be good enough is is uh, is getting to the uh, is challenging for the for the East Division title good enough is is the nine wins good enough or was it good enough for uh, for Bo Pelini? Uh, what's what's the measuring stick right now? I'm not sure he knows, and and I think there's a uh, in his mind you couldn't you couldn't uh, uh, you couldn't. Uh, I think I think he feels there's a sense of doom there. I think there's that, that that's the way a lot of people feel. And and uh, if you're Mike Riley, you're you're definitely walking on pins and needles here for the next couple of months. Well, how do you recruit if you're Nebraska? Really good question. I'm not sure that that I I, I think uh, that's one of the casualties of of making a move like this. 
of uh, uh, sending a message like this at this point in time. And that's why I think if there's an unusual nature to this, that's what it is, that you're that you're really kind of throwing all your cards on the table, hoping that uh, um, the worst doesn't happen. But uh, at this point in time, that's uh, at least for this for this season, for this recruiting cycle, you're you're putting yourself in a lot of jeopardy. When you hear names that they talk about for that the next football coach, there, uh, there's a lot of different names thrown out. Most of those don't have uh, ties to the school in like a, a Chip Kelly or, or some along those lines. Some do, whether it's a Scott Frost or. Uh, or even Les Miles, whose kid goes to school. Craig there. Bull, uh, another one. Uh, how important do you think that is for a school like Nebraska? Maybe not at every school, but at a school like Nebraska, like it is at Wisconsin, where they, you know, boast about the fact, uh, whether it's their men's basketball coach or uh, football coach and then the hockey coach as well, that all have ties to the school and the program in this day and age. To have someone in a position like that that has ties to the school or state, I, I think it's even more important in Nebraska because. You're right, as you point out, the the, uh, the culture in Wisconsin is, is so unique. Well, the culture in Nebraska is no less unique in terms of how you have to get along, and I think ultimately uh, that's where uh, that's where Mike Riley is, is in a tough spot, and that's why, why uh, where Sean Eichhorst is in a tough spot. They were outsiders coming into a place, and if you don't know the lay of the land, if you if you struggle a bit, you're you're going to be uh, uh, you're going to find yourselves an issue. And that's what happened. With, definitely happened with Sean. You, uh, Nebraska is a place where you need to go in and and, and uh, establish yourself as, as someone who's who embraces the, the fan base and, and embraces all things Nebraska. And I think Sean kind of took his time in that regard and had to feel his way along a little bit. And I think it wound up costing him in a lot of ways. Final thought: Can Purdue upset Michigan? Can Iowa upset Penn State? Either or. Can they? Yes. Will they? I, I think. I think Purdue. I think my first reaction with Purdue is that it's a place is a team that is getting a little ahead of itself. I think its fan base is getting a little ahead of itself. Could, could it pull the upset? Yes, but I think they're 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 not quite there in, in that realm yet. And I think that, uh, that that's that that's a little much to ask of the Boilermakers. Uh, Penn State, Iowa. I think Iowa could win at home. I think that's going to be a big. That it's it's definitely a bigger challenge for uh, for Penn State. It might be the biggest challenge since uh, since the bowl game for Penn State to, to figure out what's going on and, and trying to establish itself as a title contender. Andy, have a good weekend. Thank you. You two guys enjoy hey. your days. Thanks, Andy. Andy Baggett, UWBadgers.com. We're going to try to get a hold of Tom Hardercourt from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Get his take on what he saw last night at Miller Park between the Brewers and the Cubs. That's next on Lucas in the Morning. baseball game we made it you know we scored some runs late Eric had an incredible at bat to, to drive in the run then we had an opportunity you know in the ninth you know they kind of caught a break to me with the, with the Baez's ground ball that gets through and, and we just weren't able to execute people don't understand sometimes bullpen usage and how you have to get guys down. like tomorrow we're gonna have guys down based on today too so part of our ability to come back and listen I want to give our guys all the credit in the world but their A-listers a were not available tonight the comments of Craig Council and Joe Madden joining us now from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Tom Hodricourt. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Good morning. What still stands out to you? One play, one sequence of plays from last night's game that's still kind of bouncing around in your head? 
Yeah, well, it, you know, it's certainly more than one. It's, you know, there's, there was a team that had a chance to win a game in both the top and the bottom of the ninth inning. So do you, do you focus more on the, how they gave up the one run, the Brewers, or how they didn't score in the bottom of the inning? It's, uh, a lot going on there. And, you know, under the circumstances, I, I'm I'm struggling to come up with a tougher loss for the Brewers. I mean, when's the last time they lost a game at, under the circumstances with what was at stake? You yeah, know, they no, had a there's no doubt. To pull two and a half games within the Cubs and tie for the wild card, and uh, it got away from them. That and, you know, and they had lost a tough one the night before in Pittsburgh. So this this team's been really good at bouncing back, but let's. Let's see if they can bounce back from this because that that was like that was not like a punch in the gut. That was like a series of punches to the gut, or lower. <laughs> yeah, Mike had them a bit lower with those uh, punches and where they uh, they landed. Yeah, trying to keep it trying to keep it clean here on the early morning show. You know, let's stay above the belt. That's bad enough to get hit there. <laughs> Fam- family atmosphere. What was the uh, the atmosphere like in the ballpark last night? Not only both from the the, the teams and the managers. But also from the crowd, because we know the Cubs series usually that a lot of Cubs fans come come up. It was a Thursday night, still school night in the fall. But what was the atmosphere like in the ballpark? Well, what makes it always interesting when the Cubs and Brewers play at Miller Park is somebody's always cheering. (laughs) (laughs) The Cubs fans are either cheering for the Cubs or the Brewers fans are cheering for the Brewers. You know, whoever's doing the good thing at the time is getting cheered. You know, usually it's just the home team. So it's very bipartisan. After the um, the uh, Cubs scored in the top of the tenth on the Bryant home run, half the crowd left, and I'll let you guys figure out which half left. Got it, got it. Tom, what factors into a four and ten record in extra innings for the Brewers this year? What are some of the things? Um, just not uh, having a very opportunistic offense. You know, they just don't score a lot in extra innings. It's they get into extra innings and they don't score, and that's kind of been the way. You know, they've struggled all year to score without hitting home runs. So, um, I mean, you have the you have the bases loaded in the um, bottom of the ninth, and Joe Madden does one of his favorite ploys, the five-man infield. To me, that's always been more psychological than physical strategy because the hitter sees what looks like 50 infielders because they're just like wall-to-wall, and you say to yourself, no way I'm going to get a ground ball through this, so I better hit a fly ball. And I think he's trying to get you out of your game, trying to get you to lift the ball. Santana, Santana, who had had a really good night at the plate, you know, he had homered and then doubled and scored the second run, so he had had a good night at the plate. Did get out of his game, you know, swung at a pitch up, out of the strike zone and struck out. Garcia had a good at-bat. He got the three and one, and then to Wade Davis's credit, he threw two strikes. You know, he could have walked and run in and lost. So the Cubs did what they had to do at the end to win, and the Brewers didn't. And you just wonder where experience level comes in there. Well, the one thing that stood out to me, too, is Baez, who's a free swinger, put a ball in play. Santana didn't, right? I mean, right. It's, it's very Santana simple. Did it. Santana might have a future in cricket, you know? <laughs> That, that ball he hit was at his feet. Um, that reminded me of Vladimir Guerrero. Vladimir Guerrero once broke up a no-hitter by Ben Sheets in Anaheim by hitting a pitch that bounced. Um, you know, and so I don't know 
how you can make a better pitch than that. I watched the replay a couple of times. It was a splitter that dropped down out of the zone. That is true. He put it in play. And and he hit like the weakest roller you could hit, but right up the middle where they weren't playing. They weren't shifted up the middle on him like they do against a lot of guys. Any- but that is a difference. That That is a big difference. And I've, you know, I've written and talked about that all year that, you know, the – People, you know, in the new analytics, they want to tell you it's okay to strike out. Well, it's not always okay to strike out. Do you, how much of the message afterwards from Craig Council, whether it's to the media or to his own players, while there's so much is focused on trying to, for so long, has been trying to catch the Cubs, trying to catch the Cubs, and pointing towards this big four-game series, that there's not only the Cubs to catch, that the uh, the opportunity of getting in the postseason is probably easier, obviously easier mathematically, uh, of catching the Rockies, who are struggling as well right now and have really put that door wide open as they lost again last night. Yeah, they've got down on their hands and knees and begged for somebody else to take the wild card from them. <laughs> you know, they're losing to bad teams. They're losing to the two worst teams in their division, San Diego and San Francisco. It's uh, And now St. Louis, you know, has jumped Absolutely. back in. Um, you know, we throw dirt on them many times this year, and they keep jumping up out of the grave. Um, they're just a half a game behind the Brewers. So th- that's the one salvation for the Brewers to keep them perked up. If it was division or bust, I think their daubers would be down today um, because four and a half with nine games to go. The math is not great there. They would, they almost definitely have to win the next three games against the Cubs to have any chance. So that's what made last night's loss hurt so bad. But that second pass there, even though it's not in there, you know, they can't determine it um, because Colorado is playing teams out west. Well, actually, I think they play Miami too at home. So. Um, they, uh, you know, they do. They still have that path, and you can look in the mirror and say, "We're with one game out and nine to play, we have a good chance to do this." You know, so that's the thing that'll keep them perked up. But man, is their resiliency going to be tested today? They've they've done a really good job of coming back from brutal losses with a lot of energy, but they're going to have to really muster it up tonight. And Brandon Woodruff's going to have to pitch the game of his life too, isn't he? Yeah, we, what was lost last night was Zach Davies did exactly what they wanted. You know, with a with all of their, as Joe Madden just said on your soundbite, with all the A-list relievers out, they needed a deep start, and he gave them seven great innings. And you know, they had they had set up the win. Barnes Barnes covered the eighth after walking the first two batters. That wasn't easy. And then Jeffress, you know, he got he gets to first base a tick late. Little um, things. You know, they had a did he did he. Did he break fast enough? Maybe not. Um, a lot of other people thought Walker should have just let Sogard field the ball, but it's hard to tell a fielder don't try to catch a ball. Thames would have done the same thing. Um, and but but Jeffers still thought he he got there a fraction ahead. But what what we've learned about replay on bang bang plays is they're rarely overturned because we don't think the umpires in New York want to split hairs and overrule their brother in the field if the play could go either way. We just don't see many bang-bang plays get overturned. Tom, appreciate joining us earlier this morning. Thank you very much. Okay, you guys have a good day. Thanks, Tom. Tom Hodercourt is brought to you by Left's Lucky Town in Tosa. Always a great spot to catch a game. And by Westtown Monona Tire at the corner of Gammon here in Madison, your full-service repair shop. When we come back, we'll attempt to pick some of the games. Pick six next on Lucas in the Morning.
Welcome back to Lucas in the Morning and Pick 6 and props to Rob Vogel. He was 6-0 and last week and it got him absolutely nothing. It better be getting me a pizza. The day's not oh. over yet. I'm expecting to see that well, Ian's you get pizza. Nothing. Why? Are you why are you joining in on that parade? Because Heller said he's not getting you nothing, so you're getting nothing. You should be backing me and supporting no, me I'm and not, demanding payments. I'm not demanding anything. Can I, you don't have my back at all. In this. Absolutely not. Jeez. Uh, college football picks for this week. Interesting matchup. Number 16, TCU at number 6, Oklahoma State. It is an anniversary? Pray tell, is that what I hear? Don't I'm a man! Care? I'm 40! Yeah, 10 years ago, the famous Mike Gundy rant happened. It's garbage! <laughs> there's just so much There's so much stuff in here. Where are we at in society today? Get some facts and Oh, no, that's the wrong one. No, that's Jim Calhoun! Yep, yeah, I, I grabbed the wrong one. But yeah, that's why I don't read the newspaper. It's garbage. But I'm a man been, that's 40... But they've been really good since then, haven't they? Yeah, so let's see. Uh, someone put together his stats before and after. Before uh, the rant, he was 13 and 15 in his coaching career. Since then, 89 and 31. Wow. All right, so that really, it's a quarterback battle. Mason Rudolph versus Kenny Thrill Hill. Uh, TCU defense, not bad. They're going to punch him in the mouth. Can Oklahoma State weather the punch? If I'm getting 12 and a half points, I've got to take TCU. So I'll go with the Horn Frogs. You're taking the Horn Frogs, the game to be played at Boone Pickens Stadium. You give a lot of money, you get the stadium named after you. Quarterback Mason Rudolph, you mentioned him for the Cowboys. He hasn't played in a fourth quarter yet this season, yet ranks fourth nationally in passing yards per game at over 387. Second in touchdown passes with 11 is Gary Patterson. Playing for a job at Nebraska? Coaching for a job? Maybe. Might have a better job at TCU. Spread at 12.5. I'm going to take the Cowboys as well and lay the 12.5. So you're going to take the Cowboys. I'm I'm taking the Horned Frogs. Oh, I thought you were taking them as well. I'll take the points. All right, you're taking the points. I'm giving them to you. All right, Michigan or Purdue? Michigan's defense is awesome. It really is. But they've been struggling to score, move the ball. They just lost their leading receiver to an injury. Purdue has uh, really turned around its culture thanks to Jeff Brom, the new coach. Uh, they got a lot of big plays. Uh, played well against Louisville. I've uh, had 10 touchdown drives of 60 or more yards. They're 13 for 13 in the red zone this year. 10 touchdowns. Oh, man. I'll take the 10. See if, yeah, I'll take the 10. You're taking the khaki pants, boy, and his 10 points. You mentioned Michigan's defense. I'm not defense. taking Michigan. I'm taking his oh, 10 points. Oh, you're taking Purdue. I thought, I'm sorry. You're giving. I'm what, confused. What don't you understand? I don't I understand how this gambling works. This is a foreign concept to me. You mentioned Michigan's defense. That's the second-best passing defense and total defense in the conference. Though they did face Air Force last week, who never throws the ball. So uh, they are 3-0, seeking a 4-0 start for the second time under your boy Jim Harbaugh. Purdue leads the Big Ten in red zone efficiency, having scored in all 13 trips inside the red zone. Did I just say zone, that? Were you listening at all? Touchdowns. I'm not, are you talking now? Did he listen you don't have all? my back. I'm not listening to you at all. Boilermakers ranked third in the conference in passing, averaging 298 yards per game. I'm going to take Michigan and give the 10 points, however. All right, then Iowa's playing host to Penn State. Hopefully they'll sell it out. As of yesterday, they still had 4,000 tickets. Uh, 12 and a half points, it's a lot. Does it come down to Saquon Barkley versus Akram Wadley? I just think that Penn State has too many weapons, so I'll give you I'll give you the points. Penn State's going to win win this game. Penn State has generated nine takeaways this year on defense, plus seven in the turnover margin. They've scored 49 points off those turnovers. However, James Franklin is still their coach. We still don't like him here on Lucas in the Morning. I am taking Iowa and the 12.5 points and hoping for a Hawkeyes upset. Really a game that I'm very interested in, Atlanta-Detroit. Jim Caldwell, who's from the Beloit Memorial High School, (laughs) has a pretty good team this year. (laughs) Yes. Uh, The 
Purple Knights, the Beloit Memorial High School, wins this game. I'll take my three points, and Detroit beats the Falcons. I have a question for you as I make my pick. Quickly, Do you know what two quarterbacks lead the NFL in touchdown passes? Right now, after two games? Yes. Stafford's got to be there. Jared Stafford Goff? and Trevor Simeon. I don't think anybody had those two names going into their fantasy football draft as leading in touchdown passes this year. A battle of two of the NFC's best in record. I'm going to take Atlanta, though, and give the three points on the road. How about Oakland and Washington? Everybody loves the Raiders right now. The Redskins are always sort of lurking. How about the upset? I'll take Washington and three points. Wasn't on our list to pick, but I guess we're going with that one. Oakland. Uh, what, what's on no, that list? No, that's right on the there. others. Cleveland at Indianapolis and Packers at Cincinnati. We're gonna get to the Packers. We haven't. We've what got... about Cleveland at Indianapolis? That no. was on, that was on the list. I put at the bottom that others if mess. you wanted. I know, and I said somebody should have to pick this that game. That game. What is it? Exactly. Is it Cleveland minus Cleveland one? Cleveland minus seven and a half at no. Indianapolis. No, no, no. It was seven minus and a half. seven and a half. Seven and a half. Who won the last. I time didn't I think checked. either team could score seven and Oakland a half in this game. Washington. Who do you have? Well, now I got to revise. I don't have any notes on this. I'm going to go with Oakland and get the three points. That's why I picked the game. There we go. The final game, of course, uh, Packers playing host to Cincinnati. I I don't know that the Bengals can play any worse than they've played the first two games. It's pretty bad when you can't score. Touchdown, right? They've got talent. They do have some talent. I just worry about the injuries catching up to the Packers this week. Uh, Just in the mental frame of mind. Where are they after the loss to Atlanta? Coming home and you got the Bengals on Sunday, you got the Bears on Thursday. It would seem like, all right, you steamroll these two teams and you're back right where you belong uh, early in the season. Um, I'm just so tempted to go with the Bengals with points, but I'll, I'll take the Packers. Good news for the Bengals, their defense. They've given up 20 points or fewer in eight of their last nine games, including both games this season. That's the end of the good news. Bad news, they've scored only nine points this year. Andy Dalton's thrown four interceptions, been sacked eight times. They fired their offensive coordinator. Packers minus the nine. I can see Cincinnati covering in this one and the Packers getting the victory, but I'm going to I'm gonna take the Packers and give the nine. Tony Romo is going to be the color analyst uh, Sunday. I, I, I listened to him just this little snippets. Anxious to hear him over the course of an entire game. I think he does a really good job. He's very, he's very good at analyzing what he's seeing before the snap. I mean, he's a quarterback. He's a former quarterback, so he's telling you what he sees, where he thinks the ball will go. And this will also be this week being the 25th anniversary of Brett Favre's debut as the Packers quarterback um, against the Cincinnati Bengals. You know why that happened? Who, who made the difference in that game against the Bengals? Uh, Don Mikowski getting hurt? By Tim Crumright. Crumright uh, I'm a man! I'm yeah. 40! It wasn't Mike Gundy? No, it was with Crumright knocked Mikowski out of the game, which opened the door for Brett Favre. He walked in and didn't leave for a very long time. Kendrick Taylor, wasn't it the wide receiver he threw a touchdown pass to to beat the Bengals? Look that uh, up. That, that could be. I'm not sure. I'm not, remind me now to advise both John and Heller that we've made an audible, or you've made an audible here, to the Oakland-Washington it's game. It was on the I'll list. What do you mean audible? It was on the list as other options. Look, nobody wants to pick the Browns. All yeah, right. I said but, somebody yeah. should have to pick but, the Scott Tolzien-Joe Thomas game. By the way, uh, Joe Thomas, great pick to click, video to watch, video click, whatever you were calling these things. It's uh, called... How, what's it called? A video alert. Video alert. All right, video alert. Joe Thomas it was tweeted out yesterday. I retweeted it. Asked about the uh, Browns running game. Great answer. Don't play it in the office because he does have one curse word in there, though. And we didn't have, Lord knows we want to curse around here. <laughs> Every day. Every time you walk through that door. Yes. Last call next on Lucas in the Morning. Last call. Welcome back to Lucas in the Morning. Brandon Woodruff will 
take the hill tonight for Milwaukee against uh, John Lackey, the always poised John Lackey, the Ben Wargle lookalike John Lackey. All right, so why was Wayne Gretzky in your driveway yesterday? <laughs> ahead, my son us. was practicing before the Brewer game. My son was practicing his pitching with me, and he wanted to have a batter in there. Well, mom was too scared. She didn't want to get bean. So I took my life size Wayne Gretzky cutout, and I've been using him as the stand in batter. Where does one get a life size Wayne Gretzky cardboard cutout? Doesn't take hard Did to search stop and find or it. I've had this horn? forever. My wife has been freaked out that I've had it forever, and now I've been putting it to good use lately. Did anyone look at you like curiously or strangely when you had Absolutely. playing catch with your kid, yeah. Wayne Gretzky? Freaked out. My wife posted the picture on Facebook, which one friend responded, well, it's at least a good thing he doesn't have his old Paula Abdul one, which we used to have back in college, oh, and boy. have her play first base. Enjoy yeah, your weekend. Thanks for listening. Lucas in the Morning, the Dan Patrick Show is next.